Where did the time go? Where did the time go? I believe that as we get older, we ask that question more frequently. Where did the time go? Well, we just celebrated the birth of Jesus, and now we are celebrating 30 years later where Jesus appears to submit himself to the prophet's call, the prophet John's call, to baptism, a baptism for repentance so that Israel may be ready for the coming king and the promised kingdom of God. Well, what about John's baptism? It's not the baptism that we are about to initiate uh, Leo into. It's a different baptism. The baptism of John is a baptism of preparation and repentance to meet the Messiah and the coming kingdom of God. And so for 300 years, no prophetic voice was heard in Israel. And now the unlikely prophet, John the baptizer, is prepared to call Israel to repentance. He has been in the desert, eating locusts and wild honey, depending totally on God. God has always prepared his people in the desert, prepared them for what he was calling them to do. And now John appears before the Israelites and says to them, it's time to repent. The kingdom is coming, the king is coming, and you want not judgment, but rather forgiveness and to enter in to the kingdom. Well, this was an interesting thing because Jews don't need this type of baptism. Only Gentile converts do. You may know that at the time of Jesus, if you were a Gentile convert, you would have had a baptism in order to move into the people of God. And so the religious elites and the political elites, they scoffed at this baptism because they would say, we're already pre-qualified. We don't need to have a baptism of repentance. But the common people, the humble people, the people who knew in their hearts that they did in fact need repentance and to be prepared for the coming of the kingdom, those people were the people that came out to receive John's baptism. And so with that mantle of the spirit of Elijah, John was the last prophet closing down the old covenant and the baptism of Jesus would in fact foreshadow his death and resurrection and the new covenant, the king and the kingdom. And so... Jesus, of course, goes down into the water, not because he needs to repent, but he goes down into the water to do a number of things. The first thing is, is that Jesus submits to John's baptism because it will be there that he will be revealed to John that is in fact that he is God's Messiah, God's King. And therefore, John can continue to point people back to Jesus, continue to point people towards Jesus. So the identity and the revelation that Christ 
uh, or Jesus is in fact the Christ is a part of what this baptism is about. The other thing this baptism is about is, is that Jesus, by going into the waters of baptism, totally identifies with us, totally identifies with human nature, totally identifies with our sin, with our chaos, with our disruption, with our failures, the, all the maladies of human nature, Jesus goes down and immerses himself in it in order to connect with each one of us and all of humanity. And because he identifies with all of us in his baptism, we are able to identify him with him in his death and then his coming resurrection. So it is a type of identification with all of the humanity and all of the problems of humanity. There are many other reasons why Jesus was baptized, but one other reason that is significant is, is that Jesus, the divine word and son of God in the flesh, sanctifies the waters of creation. We heard from Genesis where in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and there was darkness and chaos on the waters. But the spirit of God came and hovered and finished and ordered the good creation, turning chaos into order. Well, of course, sin entered the world and then chaos and disorder continued. And then what happened next? The flood. The flood was the first baptism of the earth to drown out the sin and the evil. But of course, it comes back. Jesus comes and immerses himself, the son and word of God, the divine creator, comes and immerses himself in the waters of this world in order to begin that process of purification that will lead to the new creation. And so Jesus sanctifies the water of the Jordan, which is very significant for Israel, sanctifies the waters of Jordan, and in fact sanctifies the waters of the entire world that baptism can take place for all of us. Well, I could go on and on because it's a very, very rich subject, but I do want to move to uh, the next point. The point is, is that our baptism into Christ is a baptism of a complete transformation, a complete renewal. It is an identification of ourselves with Christ in his death and his resurrection. And that baptism of Jesus actually fulfilled all righteousness because it was the beginning of his cooperation with the entire plan of God that would culminate in the death and the resurrection and then finally the ascension of Jesus. And so there is this pattern in baptism that we undergo. We actually descend in humility with Christ in order that we may ascend in and with Christ into resurrection and the new creation and the world to come. That's what's happening. C.S. Lewis has a really rich image of the incarnation 
the Son and Word of God incarnated into our own human nature, the flesh of Jesus. And Jesus' job is to come into this world and even almost go underneath the world, disappearing as he lifts the world up to purify it, to recreate it, to give it back to God. And like the ultimate strongman, Jesus is in fact holding up the entire world. Well, this pattern of Christ ascending in order that he may ascend is our pattern. Our pattern of baptism is, is that we submit to the baptism in order to die with Christ, that we may ascend with him and be raised with him in the resurrection. And so we uh, hear the same words that Jesus heard in baptism. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. You can call me now father. There are so many rich aspects of baptism that we can't touch on all of them, but certainly becoming a child of God, being born anew into his family, into his kingdom is certainly a part of it. But it doesn't end there. And to summarize some of what baptism means, it is God laying claim on you and me. Paul says, you are not your own, but you were bought with a price, the price of the Son of God. So glorify God in your body. God does not rent you, someone says. He buys you. He holds title to you. He owns you. Through baptism, you become his child. And when God adopts you as his child, he does so for a purpose and a plan. We are saved from sin and we are saved for service, for love, for good works, for enlarging uh, the kingdom of God. And so in our baptism, we have the meaning and the significance of our entire life, in fact. Well, where did the time go? How many years has it been since your baptism? How many years has it been since my baptism? Leo's baptism is just about to begin. But some of us have had many years pass by. What have we done with our baptism? That's the question on this baptism of our Lord Sunday. What have we done with our baptism? And a further question, have we allowed Christ to go deeply into the regions of our lives and our hearts and be there with us and heal us and purify us and transform us? The challenge of baptism is, is that this pattern of descending in humility that we may ascend with Christ is something that goes on long after our baptism. In fact, every day after our baptism. And so how am I resisting Christ moving deeper and deeper and deeper into my life and into my heart? Something to consider this day on the baptism of our Lord. Are there places, are there regions that Christ has not immersed and delved into in your heart and your life? 
today would be a good day to open those regions and those ways of your hearts to him. Well, we're called to follow Jesus in this kingdom pattern of descending and ascending. We are giving up in order to gain the best. We die in order to be born anew. We identify with the lost and the lowly so that God may raise us all up. You know, I was just glancing at a great old book called, uh, 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 oh, well, I'm blanking on the name now. M. Scott Peck, um, what's the name of it? The Road Less Traveled, yes. Uh, I had it at eight, but somehow I lost it in between now and then. I have descended. Um, <clears throat> anyway, he reminds us, M. Scott Peck reminds us, it is in the giving up of self that human beings can find the most ecstatic and lasting, solid, durable joy in life. And it is death that provides life with all its meaning. He says that throughout the whole of life, one must continue to learn to live. And Seneca, a Roman a philosopher, said that the strange thing about life that will amaze us is that throughout our life, we must learn to die. We are constantly letting go of things in order to take on new things. We are constantly dying to one situation, to one reality, to one person in order that we may be born anew to another. That's just a pattern that we go through in life. Well, I want to summarize with a former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, in a great little book. He says, so baptism means being with Jesus in the depths, the depths of human need, including the depths of our own selves in their need, but also in the depths of God's love, in the depths where the Spirit is recreating and refreshing human life as God meant it to be. Where did all the time go? Amen.